This is Free Talk Live. It is the Friday edition, and we are kicking off hour number one. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free for you, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. As always, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away uh, for your convenience. Uh, Enjoy it. It's free at freetalklive.com. Well, first, we're going to start things out with an update. Last night, we brought you the uh, the breaking news about conservative evan- uh, evangelist, Christian evangelist Ted Haggard, who was, up until this week, the president of the National Association for Evangelicals. Now, we all know who the evangelicals are. These are the most, uh, I guess, literalist-type Christians. These are the guys that believe the Bible word for word. Right, Mark? That, that sounds pretty accurate. So accurate. This, this guy is a major figure in their movement. And there was some allegations that were brought on a uh, on a Colorado radio station, a morning show, talk station they have out there, by a, uh, a former gay escort. I guess he probably still is gay, but he was a former escort. And the, the pretty interesting allegations. We're going to get into some more detail on exactly what was alleged. But there's some breaking news in this case as of today where Ted Haggard, the man in question, the evangelist, has admitted to purchasing methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. Now that's a, and getting a massage from this guy and the massage as well, which is that's quite an admission which for somebody is, like him. Is really great because the guy failed the polygraph test. He did. Uh, <laughs> Haggard resigned Thursday as president of the National Association of Evangelicals and stepped down as leader of his Colorado mega church, while the two groups investigate the allegations. Talking to reporters outside his house Friday, Haggard denied the sex allegations, but said that he did buy meth from the man because he was curious. Quote. I bought it for myself, but never used it. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't hail either. Yeah. I was tempted, but I never used it. Haggard, a married mother, a father of five, said he never had sex with Mike Jones, a 49-year-old male prostitute who sparked the scandal when he told a radio station that he'd had a three-year sexual relationship with the minister. He now, said, "Did you did you happen to see the uh, video where he admits to getting the massage from the guy?" No, I didn't. Oh, it's it's great. His wife standing next to him, and I don't think she expected him to say that because really? the look on that woman's face was priceless. <gasps> wow. He said he did get a massage from Jones after being referred to him by a Denver hotel. Haggard resigned as president of the 30 million member association Thursday, and I didn't realize there were that many evangelicals. Is that for real? Yeah. Sounds That's scary, right. man. I thought they were maybe a million or two. Oh, my goodness. Thursday, stepped down as the leader of the New Life Church, pending investigations into Jones's claims. The executive committee of the National Association of Evangelicals planned a conference call on Friday and said it would release a statement afterwards. The acting pastor told congregants in an email that the board of overseers from the church had met with Haggard, quote, it's important for you to know that he has confessed to the overseers that some of the accusations against him are true. He has willingly and humbly submitted to the authority of the board of overseers and will remain on, minis- on administrative leave during the course of the investigation. You wonder why he went ahead and admitted to some of this. Maybe it's because he's, well, he's guilty of all of it, and just wants to sort of play off as much as he possibly can, just sort of admit to a little bit and uh, and hope to shovel the rest of it under the rug. Uh, I mean, why would he admit to some of this? It, he must he must have had some sort of uh, contact with this man because I'm sure he knows that what the guy is saying about the voicemails, which are going to come up here, get some quotes yeah. from those voicemails about the voicemails and the uh, the the evidence 
uh, as far as an envelope that that he sent to the the gay man were true. I mean, if those it, it if does those, sound that way, he's trying those, to explain that stuff away. Right. If those accusations weren't true, then he could have just denied it and denied it and said, "What is this? This is outrageous. Somebody's making this is this is libel." You know, but it's right. not because it's true. The scandal hit as voters in Colorado and seven other states are getting ready to decide on Tuesday on amendments banning gay marriage. Besides the proposed ban on the Colorado ballot, a separate measure would establish the legality of domestic partnerships providing same-sex couples with many of the rights of married couples. Members of Haggard's 14,000-member megachurch were stunned. A New Life member for 17 years says it's political right before the elections. Another member who's... uh, How can it be political right before the elections if the guy's admitting to it? It... Well, I don't know. Maybe he hadn't heard about the admission before he said that. The other one, another member of the church calls the claims ridiculous. People are always saying stuff about Pastor Ted. You just sort of blow it off. He's like anyone else in the public eye. Yes, Mm. that's right. We should just ignore everything that people claim about your pastor. Jones said he, uh, the gay guy, Jones said he decided to go public because he was also upset when he discovered Haggard in the New Life Church had publicly opposed same-sex marriage. Quote, it made me angry that here's someone preaching about gay marriage and going behind the scenes having gay sex. I just want people to step back and take a look and say, look, we're all sinners. We all have faults. But if two people want to get married, just let them and let them have a happy life. And I can't say I disagree with that. Jones said he later, of course, the true answer, as we posited several times, is to get government out of marriage entirely. Jones said he later saw the man on television identified as Haggard and that the two had had, had last had sex in August. Hasn't so, been too long. Apparently what had happened was Haggard, or Jones claimed that Haggard, who's 50, so they're about the same age, paid him to have sex nearly every month over a three-year time frame. He said he advertised himself as an escort on the Internet and was contacted by a man who called himself Art who snorted methamphetamine before their sexual encounters to heighten his experience. Hmm. So this wasn't just a, I uh, bought the meth, just uh, I was curious. Uh, uh, just I didn't use this meth. This guy's saying that he used the meth every single time that they had sex. So he put on a, uh, he, he gave a false name, going undercover, trying to act as though he wasn't anybody special, but then well, he spotted him on television. You know, it's... It's interesting that uh, pretty much he admits to everything that you can prove outright and then says, but we didn't have sex. No sex. Just a massage. I got a massage. I stayed in my underpants the whole time. Really? Yes, we were in the room together, but we I was getting massaged. Ted, was it an erotic massage? Well, uh, what parts did he rub? Yeah. Jones said, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I wonder if someone's going to ask that question. He said he has voicemail messages. This is, again, uh, Jones says he has voicemail messages from Haggard as well as an envelope that he and Haggard used to mail or Haggard used to mail him cash. He declined to make the voicemails available to the uh, to the AP, but apparently KUSA TV reported uh, some of the excerpts from them. Hi, Mike. This is Art. One call began, according to the station. Hey, I was just calling to see if we could get any more, either one hundred or two hundred dollars supply. This guy's doing drug deals over the phone with this guy. Mm. Hi, Mike, this is Art, and I'm here in Denver, and sorry that I missed you. But as I said, if you want to go ahead and get the stuff, that would be great. And I'll get it sometime next week or the week after or whenever. You know, it almost sounds like, I mean, with that a message like that, I'll get it sometime next week, almost sounds like he's just buying meth. It does yeah. sound like that. I mean, you would think if he was going to meet up with him and have sex with him, there'd be some sort of reference to that there. We'll get together next week. No, I'll get it. 
sometime next week. Haggard was appointed president of the Evangelicals Association in March of 2003. He's participated in conservative Christian leaders' conference calls with White House staffers and lobbied members of Congress last year on the Supreme Court appointees after Sandra Day O'Connor announced her retirement. This guy is connected with George W. Bush. After Massachusetts legalized... Yes, he is. There's pictures of them together. Legalized gay marriage in 2004, Haggard and others began organizing state-by-state opposition. Last year, Haggard and officials from the nearby Christian ministry Focus on the Family announced plans to push Colorado's gay marriage ban for the 2006 ballot. How does somebody like this look at himself in the mirror? How, how, how can you live like this? Is he Is going out and having gay sex and snorting methamphetamine exciting because it's bad in his mind? Or does he realize that it's okay and he just changes his tune to make a bunch of money off of heading the Evangelical Association in this church? Because you can guarantee this man is very wealthy. And I, the first time I saw him was on a, uh, a tele, not a television show, it's a documentary produced in the United Kingdom and it is called, uh, let's see, The Root of All Evil. Now I haven't actually seen the full documentary, but you can see the clip. If you go to YouTube, and you look for Ted Haggard, that's this guy's name, you'll find, mm-hmm. or Ted Haggard and Root of All Evil, you'll find the clip where this um, British atheist goes into his church and essentially interviews him. It's very interesting. It's the first time I encountered this guy, and I saw his face on the news this week, and oh my gosh, he had sex with a gay man. And now he's trying to cover it up. And I'd like to know what you think. At 800-259-9231, that is the toll-free number. You take control of the airwaves. Why would somebody... Be so two-faced. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Friday edition. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. You bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system awaits you. There's over 140,000 posts for you to surf around through. Over 1,200 people interacting. Fun stuff. Uh, and there's actually some new forums. I put Johnson, uh, one of our former co-hosts who's still hanging around down in uh, Sarasota where we come from, I put him in charge of the forum at this point. He is a new administrator of the forum, and he's come up with a few new uh, a few new sub-forums for you to hang around in. There's some uh, new stuff ha- happening right now. bbs.freetalklive.com. So go check it out. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our site, it is totally free. And don't forget to register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel entitled Enemies of Liberty. The three-day event is starting on February 23rd, going through the 25th. And early bird discounts are available now, and but, but for a limited time. So register at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Now, Mark, I am not a psychologist. Excuse me, I'm not somebody that... Uh, that understands why people are like Ted Haggard, but I really would like to understand it. So if you can help me understand, 1-800-259-9231. Ted Haggard, the former president of the Evangelical Association of, uh, of America. Uh, well, I'm no psychologist either, but I'm, and I'm not a big fan of uh, the, the, the science as a whole, but I, I, I've heard that uh, guys like this are trying to run away from their sexuality, so they mm-hmm. immerse themselves in the opposite of it, which is, you know, the fighting of, of homosexuality. I see. And that's why they do it. That's kind of what I've heard. I just find it fascinating. It's just an, it's a very interesting um, psychological problem. 
a conflict, if you will. And we see it over and over again with these moralists, these crusaders that are just doing their damnedest to get more laws passed against the people that they supposedly uh, look down upon when, in fact, they are actually who they apparently hate. It's so interesting to me. Yep. And so now you've got Ted Haggard. Self-hating gays, I believe they're they're called specifically. National Association of Evangelicals. Well, now, can you really be a self-hating gay if you're engaging in the be- in the behavior, and it's, what about snorting meth? I mean, what about that factor as well? Apparently, he's a self-hating drug user too. It seems to me like he's maybe a self-hating hedonist, like he wants to go and feel good, so he's taking drugs, and I guess uh, gay sex feels good to him too, allegedly. So he's been having that as well, and then yet he gets on this, you know, he gets in front of a podium, gets up in front of a group of seventeen thousand people at his New Life Church, and preaches against it all. It's just amazing. 1-800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number. You bring up whatever you want. But specifically, I'd, I'd love for you to explain the mindset here because we continue to see it. And I tell you, Mark, the louder they yell, the louder the moralist yells about wanting new laws to be passed against drug use and homosexuals, the more I will suspect that individual of actually being a either what of actually being what it is that they're rallying against. And in this guy's case, he is one of the biggest uh, members of the evangelical movement, the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. And I just think it's uh, it's very appropriate. And I wonder what his uh, his flock is going to say. I mean, in this article from uh, from the AP, they're denying it to the hell. Oh, this is ridiculous. Everything uh, this stuff happens to Pastor Ted. He's just a somebody in the public eye. Well, what are you gonna what are you gonna say about him now that he's admitted to having a massage from a gay uh, a gay escort? That's what he's admitted to. He claims he didn't. He he admits to buying methamphetamine. He didn't have to admit to that. There, I mean, I doubt that the guy has evidence that he purchased the meth. That's something pretty outrageous to admit to. Well, he has the uh, the proof that he's uh, the the voicemail that said um, get the stuff. What's yeah, he talking that's about? true. It could have been anything. Could have been sex, uh, sex toys, or something like that. He's he's not going to admit to that. Look, <laughs> when it comes to evangelical Christians, I'm afraid that uh, using drugs, drugs are yeah, isn't not quite so bad. as bad of a sin as hmm. homosexuality. I, I'm just interested to see. Uh, we're going to continue just, following this just case. Just my observation. That's what I believe. As it continues to develop, uh, we're going to the phones over right now because it is your show. You take control, Jim in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, Good Jim. Sir. Uh, I'm calling tonight because I want to talk about. Uh, federal funding for uh, stem cell research, which you guys were talking about a couple nights ago, I think. All right. Great. Um, I used to be, uh, for several years, a uh, dirty pinko liberal. Okay. And probably about four months ago, I discovered libertarianism and pretty much cast off my liberal ways, as it were, uh, with one exception, which I've had trouble letting go for for the longest time. Okay. uh, Which is federal funding for stem cell research. Hmm. And... There's a, there's a couple reasons which kind of tie into each other. Sure. First, first of all, it's a very personal issue for me because my grandfather has Parkinson's, and it's it's really hard watching him go through it. And sure. it's even harder when I see uh, neocons on TV basically opposing stem cell research. And I I understand that opposing federal funding is the principled libertarian thing to do, but mm-hmm. I also know that's not why they're opposing it. Right. I uh, understood. Yeah, they're opposing it for the uh, the aborted fetuses or whatever, the aborted right. stem they're, cells. They're basically saying, oh, well, we don't want to 
destroy human life to save human life, which is a ridiculous argument because the embryos they use in the research is are the ones that would be thrown out of fertility clinics. Well, okay, anyway. Jim. I mean, do you support federal funding for Alzheimer's research? Do you support federal no. funding for AIDS research? Do you support federal funding for cancer research? Do you support federal funding for fill-in-the-blank? I mean, are you only yeah. for federal funding for stem cell research? It's, that's the thing is I'm not really – I'm, I'm not – I can't be for funding of federal stem cell research because it's not the principal thing to do. It's just a hard thing to let go of because it's such a personal issue for me. Well, and I understand, once I understand the government gets involved, um, it, it, get, it does get difficult because at this point, it's, um, stem cell research could be stifled uh, if it was left to the free market simply because – most other diseases get federal funding, and and if they do, and if research is done in a laboratory with federal funding, then you can't do research um, on, stem, on cells stem cells there. So because the government's gotten involved, the issue's gotten muddy. If you believe that the government shouldn't fund any research at all, then you know that's a principled liber- libertarian stance. However, you get from here to there um, is just you know different libertarians having different ideas. So I, I mean I. I don't think that the government should be involved in any uh, any research at all, um, as far as scientific research goes. But I don't know how to solve this sure. particular I mean, problem. Right. Well, the, sol- the solving the problem is getting the government out of it. How you actually do that is the ultimate question, right? I mean, because if you're talking about federal funding of anything, you're talking about wasted money. You're talking about the feds throwing money at a problem or throwing money at a situation. Whereas if it was a uh, privately funded research, they'd probably be a little bit more careful about how they spent their money, and uh, and then everybody could give money to the organizations that they felt uh, deserved it. So if the conservative Christian types didn't want to give money to the stem cell researchers, they wouldn't. And if you didn't want to give money to uh, Alzheimer's research, instead you wanted to you know support Parkinson's research, you could be free to do that. We should all be free to choose what we support. So it's tough. I, I see where you're coming from. It is tough to let go of your favorite government program, but that's what you have to do in order to come from a truly principled stance. And eventually, you'll, I hope you feel good about it, Jim. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's what, uh, it's kind of a paraphrase of what Harry Brown's great libertarian offer was. You know, if you could stop paying, would you give up your favorite federal government program if it meant you never had to pay taxes again? Heck yeah! Because then you send it where you want it to go. You choose. More on the way. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away. Shrine of Female listeners included. Ladies have sent us their validated photo, which means that in the picture they're proving that they listen to the show. You can see it for yourself, and you can join the Shrine ladies at shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. What does a person who's been called aggressively nonpartisan sound like? A lot like a libertarian, sometimes. Check out Common Sense with Dan Carlin and see why he thought Free Talk Live audience would respond to this ad. Get the podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. That's dancarlin.com. All righty, so we are talking about Pastor Ted. Pastor Ted Haggard, uh, former 
the former president of the National Association of Evangelicals stepping down this week after allegations, which apparently are at least part of the way true, if not totally true, have come out about his real life. Yeah. About what old Pastor Ted's really like. Now, Pastor Ted, the again, the head of a se- he's a head of a 17,000 member so-called mega church. That it sounds like a mega church. Uh, he is an incredibly popular dude in the evangelical Christian movement. It turns out that he's actually a gay man uh, with a meth habit. Which I mean, it would have been enough for him to just be a gay man, but a gay man with a meth habit. <laughs> That's or something else. close to that. Now, it may not be a habit. I don't know. And he, he may not be gay. Maybe he just likes getting massages from, from uh, gay male escorts, escorts yeah. guys. Anyway, so there, there's all kinds of news about that, and it's very interesting. And I, and I love looking into the psychology of it and, and just trying to understand the mindset of this guy. Because he is banking off of the evangelicals. This guy has a huge mega church, which is like a multi-million dollar sort of a stadium seating church. It's huge. You know he's making some serious money. Oh, he's, yeah. He's connected with President Bush. You know he's making some serious money if he's connected with President Bush. And I think that, I didn't suggest that, I was just saying <laughs> he's, he's connected with President Bush, so he's, you know, he's somebody. He's making a lot of a smack off of the evangelicals, which makes me think that the evangelical Christians in America are probably some of the biggest dupes in America. Well, they're probably feeling that way today, at least. I don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But they definitely are um, dupes. They've been fooled by this, uh, essentially, this gay man in drag. Well, he's not the first one, either. No, he's not. Um, And, in fact, not only is uh, Ted Haggard fooling the evangelical Christians... But his buddy George Bush is also fooling him as well. George Bush is gay? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. <laughs> but what I am going to tell you is from uh, Keith Olbermann's countdown, MSNBC, from one of their producers, more than five years after President Bush created the Office of Faith-Based Initiatives. Remember this program, Mark? Yes. The former second-in-command of that office is now going public with an insider's tell-all account that portrays an office used almost exclusively to win political points with both evangelical Christians and traditionally democratic minorities. The office's primary uh, primary mission, providing financial support to charities that serve the poor, never got the presidential support it needed to succeed, according to the book. Entitled Tempting Faith, it's not scheduled for release, uh, and, well, actually scheduled for release uh, later or in, in October. The author is David Kuo, who served at a special, as a special assistant to the president from 2001 to 2003. A self-described conservative Christian, Kuo's previous experience includes work for prominent conservatives, including uh, Bill Bennett and John Ashcroft. So he's got his conservative, uh, I guess, uh, reputation intact here. Quo, who has complained publicly in the past about funding shortfalls, goes several steps further in his new book. He says some of the nation's most prominent evangelical leaders were known in the office of presidential political strategist Karl Rove as the Nuts. National quote, national Christian leaders received hugs and smiles in person, then were dismissed behind their backs and described as ridiculous, out of control, (laughs) and just plain goofy, Quo writes. More seriously, Quo alleges that then White House Political Affairs Director Ken Melman knowingly participated in a scheme to use the office and taxpayer funds to mount ostensibly nonpartisan events that were in reality designed with the intent of mobilizing religious voters in 20 targeted races. 
19 out of the 20 targeted races were won by the Republicans, according to Quo. The outreach was so extensive and so powerful and motivating, not just conservative evangelicals, but also traditionally Democratic minorities, that Quo attributes Bush's 2004 Ohio victory, quote, at least partially to the conferences we had launched over two years before. With the exception of one reporter from the Washington Post, Quo says the media were oblivious to the political nature and impact of his office's events. In part because so much of the debate centered on issues of separation and church of church and state. In fact, in fact, the Bush administration often promoted the faith-based agenda by claiming that existing government regulations were too restrictive on religious organizations seeking to serve the public. Substantiating a claim that proved difficult, Quo says, quote, "...finding these examples became a huge priority." If President Bush was making the world a better place for faith-based groups, we had to show it was really a bad place to begin with. But in fact, it wasn't that bad at all. So all of this is de- was designed, Mark, to pander to these evangelicals. The entire program designed to pander to them and get their votes. I think everyone knew that. That the um, Everyone the, except the evangelicals, apparently. Well, I don't think they cared. I mean, do you, most voters don't care when they're getting pandered to. It's when, uh, it's when their money is being used to pander to someone else. In fact, when Bush asks Quo how much money was being spent on compassion social programs, Quo claims he discovered the amount was $20 million a, a year less than during the Clinton administration. The money that was appropriated and dispersed, however, often served a political agenda, Quo claims, with organizations friendly to the administration often winning the grants. More pointedly, Quo quotes an unnamed member of the review panel charged with rating grant applications as saying she stopped looking at applications from, quote, those non-Christian groups, unquote, as did many of her colleagues. So if you are a faith-based group that was trying to get money out of the faith-based program, Mm -hmm. if you weren't a Christian group, your application was thrown in the trash. Wow. Tempting Faith contains several other controversial claims about Quo's office, the Bush White House, and even the 1994 Republican Revolution in Congress. And so there's your update there. So again, more evidence that these people, these evangelicals, are just, they'll believe anything you tell them. They'll believe every, every word the Bible says. They'll believe anybody who picks up the Bible and says they're an evangelical, even though they're actually a gay meth snorter. <laughs> and they'll believe the uh, the politicians as long as they just pander towards them. I think that's unfair. I think that uh, most groups will... You know, as long as you're taking care of their needs, they don't really examine too closely. Let's go to the phones to Ladies First, Rebecca in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Hi, what's on your mind? Well, there's several things. I'm a wife of a pastor, Mm -hmm. and um, anyway, um, I've heard you talking about the Haggart situation. Reverend Ted. Yes. What do you think about that? I'm very, I'm very disappointed and very sad. Are you um, shocked? I tell you the truth, by reading the Word of God, no, I'm not. Why? Well, uh, the Bible tells us in the last days, and I firmly believe we are in the last days, these type of things are going to arise. You're going to have false prophets, false teachers. You're going to have people that are calling right wrong and wrong right. Now, what what makes you think that we're in the last days? Now, I know that uh, in in one of Paul's uh, epistles, I can't remember exactly which one, and it doesn't really matter, I guess, he claims that we're pretty close to the last days now, and that was 2000, well, 1,700 years ago, because they were actually uh, compiled in the Bible um, you know, 300 mm-hmm. years later. But, you know, that was 2,000 years ago that he wrote it. 
Well, yeah, he wrote it 2,000 years ago. So he ago, thought that it was soon then. and he's, you No, know. no, 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 no. You look at all the prophecies, not just by the Apostle Paul, but also even the ones given by um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Where, and you read uh, Matthew. Um, even back, you start reading them into the Old Testament, too. You know, Isaiah. Oh, my. It's full of them. The book of Daniel is full of them. Sure, uh, there's Ezekiel. lots of prophecies in the Bible, but um, exactly. they're, they're very and ambiguous. Haven't there always been two-faced people involved in religion? I mean, this isn't the first guy that's been caught red-handed. Oh, heavens no. You're right. I mean, there have been a so, lot of two-faced people. So why now as opposed to you know, 20 years ago or because 30 years ago? They, because the Bible says we're going to see a lot more of it and where we are, along with these other prophecies. All right, Rebecca. It's well, already been fulfilled. We appreciate the input. Um, but anyway, um, that and plus the fact, I, I want to tell everybody, I don't think there's other things that you were talking about. We'll come about, back with I more think. of you, Rebecca. Hang on. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian, here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away. It's free. freetalklive.com. That includes uh, everything from the Shrine of Female listeners, the archives, the live stream, and more. That we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by shopping with us. Go to amazon.freetalklive.com and buy some stuff. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, because when you, whenever you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of anything that you buy. Now, Mark, what are some of the things that you might have bought in the past at Amazon? Uh, DVDs, um, C- CDs, that's pretty much, and books. Books. Yeah. And, of course, what they were originally known for, but now they have expanded to 35 categories of products. I mean, DVDs, books, CDs, furniture. Mm-hmm. major high-dollar electronic devices. I mean, they've got virtually anything that you might want. Apparel, baby stuff, sporting goods, you name it. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Add it to your cart. Check out. Get free Super Saver shipping on a ton of items. And you help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Rebecca in Ohio. Rebecca, who is a wife of a preacher, responding to the Ted Haggard situation. Now, Rebecca, you're saying that uh, this is expected. You you aren't too shocked by what has happened with Reverend Ted because you believe it's the end of the world. I didn't say the end of the world. Okay. I, I said we're in the last days. How long do the last days last for? <laughs> We don't know. The mm-hmm. Lord tells us in the Bible that uh, he doesn't even know that the Father is the one. How will we know a, when it's over, though? That's when the, the Jesus comes down from the sky or something like that? Well, you're going to have two separate events. There's going to be one that is talked about in Thessalonians and also in Corinthians, which we call the end of the church age or the rapture of the church, in which Christ is going to descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those that are alive. What will alive, he shout when he comes down from heaven? What will he be shouting? The Bible doesn't say. Hey! The hey, you guys! Probably come up hither. Yeah. Because, oh, that's what we're assuming. Because, will, you now, know, this is what I've always wanted to know. We've will he speak about English? Because I thought that he was... Uh, uh, Jewish. <laughs> He'll speak all languages at once, Mark. I just See? wondered. He's I, Jesus. You know, and I thought it was a Trump, not a shout, but okay. Well, yeah, anyhow, the day of Pentecost, do you remember that they all heard in their own language? That's true. Okay. okay. All right. So now here's the other thing. If you can hear it, will you be able to see it? Like now that it, I don't know. I can't answer that because it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. 
So he's I, not I, just don't, gonna, I don't know. He's not going to slowly just sort of... Says. Now, when I rise descend. up and I'm indoors, am I going to shoot through the roof? I imagine since the Lord created us all, he can take us out without having to put holes in our roof. I was, I was just wondering because I was thinking <laughs> some, some people... A friend of mine works in a really tall building in New York City, and I'm wondering if he's going to take out every floor on the way up. Oh, wait. No. He's Jewish. Is he going... Well, that depends. You have um, some of your um, Jews, like Zola Lovett, who recently had passed away this past spring. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was Jewish, and he believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Now, the Bible talks What's about... What's the Messiah? What does that mean? The Son of God. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. There's, yeah, there's people out there that might not have known these things. Okay, he's the so son of God. It, he was the one that was coming to save the world. Can you he's be a Jewish that, person and believe that Jesus is the son of God? Sure you can. Yes. Okay. Sure. So if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you get to go up and rise up and go to heaven, but otherwise you get to stay on if the planet, stay, right? If you stay behind, yeah. you're going to go through the seven years of tribulation period, which is going to be the seven years of God's wrath, as we understand it. That's because God three, hates, hates non-believers. No, 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 no. no. Well, why would he want to... Okay, because God has God's given wrath. warnings. That yeah. sounds pretty hardcore. I mean, what does what that well, entail? Hey, I mean, everybody out here, and that's another thing that, that kind of gets me. Yeah, God is a God of love, but he's also... Oh, he's also a God of, I'm not going to put up with this stuff anymore. A God you know? scorned, huh, Rebecca? Uh-huh. Yeah, God scorned. You don't want to mess with him. Well, I mean, you know, we go around doing everything wrong, just like if this creature out there did what he did, and well, we know where he's going if he doesn't repent. Now, um, Rebecca, I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where he's going if he doesn't repent. Um, I actually, the Bible tells us. Well, I don't know if it's really back. clear on what the hell thing, and there certainly, there certainly are um, some... Uh, there's there's certainly some Christian religions like the Jehovah Witnesses, for instance, that don't believe in hell. That uh, the hell is not, you know. I mean, in a hell lot of cases, place. Shiloh is um, just, you know, it's it's a term used for the grave, and uh, you know, it's translated into hell in the Bible. Um, now, here's one of my problems, though. I have uh, spent 35 years now seeking the truth. I'm looking for it. I really want to know what the spiritual truth is, and I don't believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. I don't believe it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I don't believe the not. Bible. I believe that it's, um, you know, I b- believe it's a compilation book written by, you know, of 60-something books written by 40-something guys. And, you know, they might have had some good spiritual truths in there, but I don't believe that it's all true. Now, is God going to sit up there on Judgment Day and say, Mark, I know you've tried really hard, and I know you've um, sought for the truth, and I know that, uh, you know, th- these people were, that uh, these humans here told you about uh, Christianity, and you didn't believe, believe it, and of course they're just humans, but you're going to have to go to hell for the rest of eternity anyway. Exactly. That, like, that's me, what he's going to do? I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. That's right. exactly That's what he's going to do? Because yes. that doesn't seem very fair. Cause that's God, not very hold, loving. Hold on just a second, Rebecca. Here's the reason I don't think it's fair. God, according to, let's say your point of view is correct. According to your point of view, God put me here. It's not my point of view. It's what the, Fine. Say it's the word of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, whatever, you know. One you subscribe to. The one you subscribe to. Um, according, now, the spiritual world is much more real than the real world, right? I mean, that's, the spiritual world is where things are going on. 
God's there, the angel's there, the devil's there, they're, they're fighting it out um, through all eternity. Now, I can't see that. So I'm like a blind, deaf, dumb man who's supposed to figure out what the truth is in a world he can't see, feel, touch, taste, or understand. Let's go back just for a minute. You said they're fighting it out. What are you, what are you referring powers to? Powers and there? principalities. Man. Well, yeah, there's power. Right, there are powers and principalities, but normally forces of darkness battling okay, the forces well, of light. The, okay, the forces angels of angels with swords. <laughs> You're funny. He is <laughs> yeah. funny looking. But anyway, um, the, um, the 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 powers of darkness definitely are are there, and they make people. <laughs> they make hey, they make people. You know believe other things besides the word of God. Now, here's what I don't understand, Rebecca. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. Now, you say that God is a loving God, right? Yes, he is. How can he be considered loving if he wants to send people to hell for uh, for not believing in him? That's awfully exclusive of him, isn't it? No. I think, you know, as a parent, when you have children, you reward your children when they do well, don't they? Don't you? What yeah. happens when your children? I don't poke don't them do with well hot if they, irons. If they're bad. You don't poke them with hot irons and subject them to eternal torture. No, but they get punished, right? Well, yeah, maybe a little slap on the hand, maybe a you know a taking away of a privilege or but, two. But as a parent, you guide your children um, directly. You tell them things that they you know that you show them and tell them things that they can believe. Whereas God You'll put me put me in a world where I don't have any guidance. I mean, I don't believe. The Bible, it, it just you know, the history behind it is too messed up for me to believe it. So that's you know, it's like punishing the kid because they did wrong when they didn't know that they did wrong. Well, you know wrong. You know that you've done wrong. I know what wrong you, is. You are deliberately saying I don't believe the Bible. I, I'm so deliberately words, saying it because I don't. What about people that have <laughs> never seen the Bible? What about people that don't? What about like an African tribe or something that uh, never Romans has a verse? Okay, on that. that's why. That's why the apostles, you know, Jesus told them that they were going to go out, and and any, any you know, like we have missionaries now. Uh, anybody, any believer. Is yeah, but what to if the missionaries haven't gotten the to these people? Huh? What if the missionaries have never met these people? What's going to happen to them? Well. What do you mean if they've never met? The well, there's world, billions, of, before, there's billions and billions of people in the world. I mean, before, there's before the before the Lord comes back, mm-hmm. the Bible tells us that the word will have gone out all over. Okay, so you're just okay. So you're presuming that the word's going to somehow reach into the uh, dark jungles of Africa. Uh, yeah, to an we have, definitely we have missionaries that are <laughs> oh, going everywhere. True. And I mean, you know, you you've got mis- mm-hmm. mis- people uh, in different missionary fields. You've got them. Um, well, we've got a couple in our church that was uh, missionaries. Um, why is in he South counting Korea. on humans, though? I mean, why is God counting on um, fallible humans to get His message out? Why doesn't He just, uh, you know, appear in front of the uh, the African tribesmen? Because you can guarantee that there are some tribesmen in the middle of the forest somewhere that missionaries are just not going to get to. I mean, what about those guys? Well, yeah. Why, why, you could also turn around and ask, as Jesus did a lot of times with the question, why did they nail him to a cross when they saw him do miracles? Rebecca, we appreciate your expertise. <laughs> Thank you for the call. We would, uh, look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Thank you, Rebecca. 800-259-9231. Wife of a preacher there, Mark. Yeah. All right, 800-259-9231. Hour three's on the way. People have been waiting very patiently. We're getting to your calls, if you're patient. Uh, your call's coming up. Plus, so much more. It is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. 
Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231, and you get to bring up whatever you want. That's 800-259-9231, Friday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features you'll find there because they're totally free. That again, freetalklive.com as we go to the phones and to the fun. This is the show about your calls, so we're starting with Ash in Virginia. been waiting patiently. Ash, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, I'll do it tonight. Hey, doing hey. great, Ash. So I just wanted to uh, talk about, uh, you had mentioned... Um, being interested in the uh, psychology behind people like uh, with this minister, I forgot his name now. Ted, Reverend Ted Haggard. Reverend Ted Haggard, yeah. The man um, who was caught for, uh, or uh, not caught, I guess, the allegations came out that uh, he's a gay man who likes to snort methamphetamine, when in fact he's one of, of course, the loudest uh, anti-gay proponents out there. Uh, that I mean, he's a, he was the head of the National Church of Evangelicals. Yeah. Well, actually, the thing that prompted me to call was uh, there's a post on the bulletin board. Um, the, the title of the post is uh, Psychiatrist Examines the Anti-Gun Mentality. And um, the, obviously, this doesn't have anything to do with homosexuality, this, uh, this, this uh, article this psychiatrist wrote up. But it, does, it can be applied to the same thing. Hmm. In particular, there's two, uh, two psychological terms, um, which are reaction formation and um, projection. And basically, uh, in terms of projection, it says that if, if someone is taught to believe something is bad, even, even though it's something, and particularly when they don't really believe themselves that it's bad, mm -hmm. and, they, and by this, uh, you know, this teaching, they, they never let themselves express this emotion, even think about it, that it might be okay, they will tend to um, take this, the, the negative side of it and project it onto other people. So it, it makes you know gives them a very very strong emotional response against it, and therefore they can um, eventually end up becoming very opposed to the uh, to the idea. So it's okay if they do it, but it's not okay if other people do it, kind of thing. Well, it, not really, actually. The uh, in, in terms of projection, they they don't really believe it's okay for them to do it. Okay. So that's why they're doing it, and they they still believe it's wrong. And that's why they're so vehemently opposed to it in, in publicly, you know? So if they could just get some laws passed uh, to put a stop to it, then their behavior will somehow come, come to an end. That's, that's one side of it, potentially. But, I mean, I don't think that's really what's going on with him. I think this is just a guy who, uh, who has, in, I mean, potentially, there's a guy who he has these feelings and beliefs that he don't, doesn't think are really wrong himself, mm. and, you know, in his... He, he doesn't believe they're wrong, but he, he's been taught that they're wrong. So he, in order to try and repress his, uh, his feelings, he gets, you know, gets involved with these groups that are very opposed to the, uh, you know, the emotions that he's feeling or whatever. But he's obviously not being very successful if that's what his intention is. If his intention is to repress his gay uh, meth-snorting tendencies, uh, then it's not working. I mean, because he's still going out on a, at least a monthly basis, according to the gay man, and having, and, uh, having gay sex. Well, that's true. I mean, in most cases, these these things end up end up in uh, you know self-destructive behavior in doing doing what they're doing in an even more destructive manner than they probably would if they um, if if they were able to reject the, uh, the you know the immorality idea of these things altogether. I see. So if he was more able to embrace his true self, then maybe he wouldn't be as destructive. 
Yeah, that's that's part of the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Interesting. Ash, thank you for the information, man. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. No problem. Eight hundred two five. Thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine. Ninety-two, thirty-one. So there's a little bit of uh, psychological insight for you. It essentially comes down to that self-hating gay thing that I said, but right. he just gave the the background on it. He Why? needs to he needs to accept himself for who he is. He's a man that likes other men and, and meth, and that's okay. That's okay. Not with his wife. Well, she's gonna have to start accepting him for who he is too. Uh, 802, of course he's not. You know, he's, oh, I'm going to go into treatment now. I mean, that's the next step, yeah. right? I'm going into treatment for gayness because they've got those programs. They've oh, got yeah. the, uh, the Christian Become a Heterosexual Again programs, which mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be for show. It's all going to be for show. He's going to tone it down for a little while. All the while he's furtively masturbating to, uh, to uh, or self-pleasuring to, uh, to gay porn. Uh, I mean, and this time he'll take longer trips instead of, uh, you know, into the city, um, into Denver. He'll, you know, go to Costa Rica or something like that, someplace where it's farther and he can't get quite get caught and somebody doesn't speak English that's as well. Right. Someone who won't know who he is, someone who won't uh, spot him on television like this guy did. Because this gay dude, uh, the 49 year old gay former escort, if he hadn't have seen Reverend Haggard on television, he never would have gotten caught. These allegations never would have come out. So, yeah, it was absolutely because of his celebrity. Makes you wonder how many other people are out there that aren't as well-known and well-respected, I guess, as Reverend Haggard, some of the more lesser-known pastors in the world. How many of them are uh, involved in this sort of behavior? Makes you go, hmm. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Ernesto in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Ernesto. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, I want to call Whoa, uh, Ernesto, having some phone trouble there. Let's put Ernesto back on hold. Maybe get have him call back or something, uh, board up, and see if we can get a better connection from him. Because definitely want to hear what he has to say, but not if it's like if that. I think we're having some microphone trouble with you. Mm, no. Uh, all right. So since we're talking about this whole religion thing, let's jump into some statistics. This statistics might bother some of the more evangelical Christians who are trying to save the world for Jesus. Americans are often thought of as people who believe in God, but results of a new Harris poll show that even that might be changing. The poll found that 42% of the United States, of all United States adults, say they are not absolutely certain that there is a God. 42% are not absolutely certain there's a God. That's right, including 15% who are somewhat certain, 11% who think there's probably no God, and 16% who aren't sure. Not everyone who described themselves as Christian or Jewish said that they believed in God. Only 76% of Protestants, 64% of Catholics, and 30% of Jews said they are absolutely certain that there is a God. Hmm. However, most Christians who describe themselves as born again, 93%, said they are absolutely certain that there is a God. Now, normally when they ask these questions, normally when they ask Americans religious-based, is there a God questions, they just ask, do you believe in God? And the vast majority of Americans, like over 90%, say, yes, I believe in God. But I like how they've asked this question. Are you absolutely certain that there is a God? Yeah, they believe in him, but they're not so sure if he's really out there. Demographic groups that are more likely to say that they're absolutely certain that there is a God include people in all age groups over 40. Because I guess as you get closer to dying, you want to believe in God more, I suppose. I, I, I would think. Uh, and over compa- and over compared to people in age groups under 40, women 62% uh, absolutely certain, more than men 54% 
absolutely certain. Blacks, 71%, compared to Hispanics, 61%, and whites, 57%. Republicans, of course, 73% of them are absolutely certain. Democrats, 54%. Independents, 51%. Isn't that interesting? It is. Um, well, I mean, you would think that Republicans would be higher. People with no college education, 62%, or have, uh, uh, or have, or who have some college education, 57% compared to college graduates, 50%, and those with postgraduate degrees, 53%. So the more educated you are, this is another. This backs up a different statistic that we'd seen before: that the more so-called education you have, the less like you, likely you are to believe in God. About 35% of all adults polled said they attend religious services at least once a month, including 26% who said they attend every week or more often than that. Can you believe 26% of adults actually go to religious services once a week? You think that's high? It, it surprises me. I'm actually surprised. I, I guess. I guess it's a... I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I don't know what my uh, pr- prior opinion was. I don't know anybody that goes to church. But then again, that's just because I don't hang around in those circles. About, uh, let's see, nearly half of all adults polled, 46% of them, said they attend services a few times a year or less frequently, while 18%, be me, said they never attend religious services. I pretty much rarely do. I certainly have, but not these days. Those who said they attend religious services once a month or more include 48% of Protestants, 46% of Catholics, and 12% of Jews. However, more than two-thirds, 68% of born-again Christians, attend once or month or more, once a month or more. The public is almost equally divided, by the way, between those who think God is male, 36%, neither male nor female, 37%, with 10% saying both male and female, but only 1% of Americans actually think God could be a female. A hermaphroditic God. That's very interesting. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Mark, you've got some fun TSA stories on the way. It's fun instead of terroristic. One is fun. Coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231, the Friday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Archives are there. An entire year's worth of the show awaits you on the front page of the website. It's all for free at freetalklive.com. And you need to know the Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Talking about some interesting statistics from a recent Harris poll that shows that 42% of U.S. adults say they aren't absolutely certain that there is a God, and 11% say there's probably no God, as a matter of fact. Much of the public... 41% 41% of them, in fact, thinks God thinks of God as a spirit or power that can take on a human form, but is not inherently human, according to the survey. But 27% think of God as, quote, a spirit or power that does not take a human form, while 9% of adults in America think, God, uh, think of God as being like a human being with a face, body, arms, legs, eyes, etc. Really? Only 29% of those polled said they believe God controls what happens on Earth. Of those believers, 57% were born-again Christians, and 44% of the respondents say they believe that God observes but does not control what happens on earth. Finally, poll results show that about 51% of all adults, including a majority of Catholics, 
believe that Jews, Christians, and Muslims all worship the same God. One-third, 32% of them, said they believe they do not, and 16% are not sure. So Jews, Christians, and Muslims all worshiping the same God. That's what uh, a solid majority of people think. And most of those people are Catholics. Uh, no, a majority of Catholics uh, think okay. that. On this question, as on the others, the views of born-again Christians are different. A 54% majority believes they do not worship the same God, and only 34% believe they do. Three years ago, an identical survey, 79% of adults said they believed in God, and 66% said they were absolutely certain that there is a God. Now, in this new survey, those numbers declined to 73% and 58%, respectively. Why the changes? Well, there are some important differences between telephone polling and those conducted online, as this survey was. Several surveys find that Younger people, respondents. people are more likely to admit potentially embarrassing beliefs or behaviors when, it, when answering online surveys than to admit these behaviors when talking to an actual interviewer on the phone. Hmm. So the fact that you've got somebody asking you the questions in person, even though they are on the phone, even though they are a total stranger you're still less likely to be totally honest about your belief system. Now, how could you, how could um, you get a, um, what, a fair in-tab by doing online polling? I don't know. It doesn't seem like you could. I mean, because at the very least, you have people that are willing to take a poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be of a certain psychographic or something. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. You'll have but I to guess ask... that's... If, if you're in the mall asking people, too, that's still should, people willing to take a poll. Sure. So. You should ask Zogby about that, because Zogby does online polling. In fact, I'm signed up to be a Zogby pollee. So whenever Zogby's got a poll, yeah. they send it to me, and I get to take it. And you could go and sign up, too. I don't know what the exact link is, but Zogby.com, I think you could probably find it there. So they must, uh, they must when you sign up, you know, you may... I, I, dur- during the poll, you fill out demographic information on yourself. So I guess they get all the information that they need from you. Hmm. Anyway, because acor- there's no reason why you couldn't lie over the phone, too, right? I mean, as far as about who you are, how old you are, and all that. It is true. According to Harris, people are three times more likely to say their sexual orientation is gay, lesbian, or bisexual if they're online versus over the phone. Three times more likely. Are these like people that are just um, the, the, the same mentality of Christmas treeing an exam in high school? I mean... Well, it's online. Who cares? We'll give them some crazy information. Hmm, that's another factor, I guess. I don't know. Researchers called this unwillingness to give honest answers to some questions in telephone surveys a social desirability bias. This distinction between online and telephone polls may explain why more people said they aren't absolutely certain that there's a God than have given similar replies in other surveys conducted by telephone. It's an interesting suggestion, but really? Do people really care that much about what the... The random phone survey guy thinks about their religious beliefs? The college student taking the survey? Or maybe they just don't want to hear themselves say that they don't think that they're they're not sure about the existence of a god. Maybe it's less concrete for them if they just click a a radio button on on the internet versus actually saying the words, I'm not sure if I believe that there's a god. Maybe that's something, you know, that's a psychological factor involved here as well. Because if they hear themselves saying it, maybe they'll become... Uh, maybe they'll believe it more, or disbelieve it more. Anyway, you take control, bring up what you want, 800-259-9231, as we shift gears to the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration. Now, this is a uh, uh, an account online, and it's, it's rather lengthy. And I've decided to start sort of, uh, you know, I've cut off some of the top of it, 
And uh, just to start in the middle here, on let me give the gentleman's name, uh, David Ganji dot dot net. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, let's see, and this is where the fun begins. So this says. is his account of right. uh, TSA trip. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, a trip and and includes uh, lots of TSA fun. Got it. When I got to the airport, it was eleven o'clock in the morning. I was wearing sunglasses. It's pretty damn sunny in L.A. most mornings at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. My rapt attention um, to the bag scanning process and my overall grumpiness caused me to forget I was wearing sunglasses inside. inside the airport. As far as I know, however, this is not remotely illegal. It may not be chic or cool, but there are probably more people in L.A. that wear sunglasses indoors than any other city on the planet. <laughs> so I wasn't exactly outrageous for me not to remove them. Unencumbered by my luggage, I sauntered towards the monolithic stairs leading to the real security line. This part annoys me. You have a uh, flight of stairs at the top of the flight of stairs. There's a security officer who confirms that the security officer at the bottom of the stairs has confirmed that you have a photo ID and a boarding pass. It is physically impossible to get to the top of these stairs without having first been at the bottom of these stairs. There is nobody magically jumping in the middle of the stairs <laughs> that could have avoided the security officer at the bottom of the stairs. I am forced to assume that the redundancy in this place is because of the top of the stairs. Uh, security officers have decided that the bottom of the stairs... <laughs> Come on. It's so funny. At the bottom of the stairs, security staff is untrustworthy or vice versa. You guys couldn't see the spittle that he uh, spat all over his microphone. Well, you know, you're supposed to spit uh, when you're doing broadcast. And I really do need to get a a rant about how each and every one of the 9-11 hijackers has a valid photo ID and boarding pass. Unless the bottom of the stairs and the... uh, Bottom, the, the top of the stairs and the bottom of the stairs security officers have photographic memories and have memorized the names of all potential terrorists. I can't imagine what the point is of being so fanatical about the whole double confirmation of boarding passes <laughs> because all they do is look at your ID and boarding pass. Yep, that's it. They just match the names. That's all they do. Yeah. There are actually four security officers at the bottom of the stairs. Real security officers are probably insulted by the term that we um, use to refer to TSA agents, and I sympathize yeah, with them. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> On staff this day were four Latino women. Girls, really. Not one of them was older than 20 or taller than 5'2". And they barely spoke English. Now, understand that even when I am in a bad mood, I am still one of the most cheerful men you're ever likely to meet. That goes triple if you work in a terribly unsatisfying job like checking boarding passes and identification when you just know that um, B at the top of the stairs is going to double-check your work every time. I've worked in crap jobs and have always tried to be pleasant. Good morning, I smiled at Alicia, handing her my driver, California driver's license and printed from the Internet but ridiculously easy, easily forged Southwest boarding pass. I'm that way, too. I mean, I'm always friendly with people when, I, when I'm dealing with them in the public, even the, the surly bureaucrats of the TSA. We'll continue his story because I have a feeling there's more. Oh, much more. 800-259-9231 with your airport hell stories. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. That's 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The wiki's there. It's like the listener-editable version of the show's website. That's wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. As we continue with the TSA fun story, instead of what we normally have, 
which is a TSA hell story where they're harassing people, feeling up old ladies, uh, taking off people's pants and that sort of thing. I don't know if that's actually ha- if that's actually happened, but it may have. Anyway, it's kind of a different bit of a TSA story, and uh, we're continuing it now. So the man is at the, uh, an escalator in the Los Angeles airport. And he's, uh, it's, it's stairs, and he's um, being checked by a security gal from the okay. TSA. Or I don't know if it's TSA or not. Security gal. Okay, she smiled at me, um, checked that the name of my license matched the name of my boarding pass, and used a yellow highlighter to mark the boarding pass with what looked like exactly a one-inch line. Hmm. Now, do I need to tell you that they sell yellow highlighters in just about every single store in America? As she handed me back my papers, um, she paused. She looked me in the eyes and smiled and then said, I can't see your eyes. I raised my hand to my face to remove my sunglasses and stopped. She wasn't smiling at me because she was nice. She was smiling because she was suffering from false authority syndrome. What's this? It's just something he's made up. (laughs) The poor child. In the most disarming, rational, peaceful, and kind voice of my command, I said, "You don't need to see my eyes. You have to." There remo- are no droids here. <laughs> you, that's great. You have to remove your sunglasses, sir. No, actually, I don't. Really? I can't let you past here with your sunglasses on. Wow. Yes, you can. At this point, she became obviously frustrated and confused. She looked at me as if I was a freshly shaven Osama bin Laden <laughs> in sport coat and khakis and became stern. Take them off, please. There's, oh. no, there's no law that says I can't wear sunglasses in an airport, ma'am. Yes, there is. It's a rule. It's not a rule. It is. I can't let you pass. <laughs> yes, you can. Gosh. She took my boarding pass and used her yellow highlighter to turn the line into an X. An hmm. X of shame. An X of potential threat. <laughs> she called to the top of the uh, top of the stairs officer and said, threat alert. <laughs> really? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> then she let me go up the stairs. At this point, I expected to get an argument with the top of the stairs woman. I didn't care. I had two hours to kill and hey, wasn't, right in the, on. I wasn't in the mood to be pushed around by the TSA. But surprisingly, um, the gal at the top of the stairs, he gives her name here, did nothing even remotely antagonistic. In hmm. fact, she let me go on to the extra short special security line. Yes. This was a bonus. We're going to try this next time we go on a trip, Mark. You are going to try this okay. next time you go. Instead of standing in the general line with the hundreds of non-sunglassic-wearing rubes, I got to go in the fast lane. Yes. The fast lane was occupied by a mother and her three children, a very, very tall black man, and a guy that looked like the most average generic businessman possible. Threat alerts. <laughs> I, d- I didn't, well, maybe they were like, this is the special VIP line or yeah. something. I didn't feel like any of them could in any way be as much of a threat as I was, but I guess you can't judge a book by its cover. We merrily zipped through the metal, metal detector and had our carry-on bags x-rayed. The carry-on bag x-ray is my favorite part of flying and has been has been since long before 9-11. Hmm. I haven't gotten an airplane without a pocket knife since I was a Boy Scout. If my plane goes down, damn it, I will not be stranded in a desert without any way of cracking into a coconut. Ever since 9-11, I've carried at least two, and sometimes three, backup pocket knives. Really? I've flown about 30 times since then, and only one time was one of my knives confiscated. Wow. (laughs) For this flight, I had two, and they both went undetected. Excellent. Even (laughs) though he was in the super special search line. Yep. But now a wrinkle. I wasn't allowed to get my bags. A tremendously grumpy guy grabbed my bag, my laptop, my jacket, and my shoes, and gave me the double ultra shakedown. <laughs> he went through every pocket of my briefcase. He went through my jacket. He looked at my shoes. He did not, shall I note, ask me to remove my sunglasses. He never <laughs> smiled. He was a serious TSA agent. Yes. There, there was an, 
a uniformed LA serious business. <laughs> there was a uniformed LAPD officer standing nearby as well. But he looked like he just enjoyed standing there and flexing and wasn't really interested at all mm-hmm. in the potential threats of national security well, that were being pay- given the what for by the, the serious TSA guy. Sure, he's just a cop. He's getting paid to stand there. The TSA double security checker was not about to let me get past him. He knew I was a bad guy. I had a water bottle. I wasn't hiding it or anything. I just honestly forgot the liquids are dangerous nowadays. And he held it in front of my face like I was a like, like it was a Nazi membership card that he'd found in my blazer. You know you can't have this, right? I almost, almost said something starky about how it was cool that he didn't care about my Swiss Army knife or my Leatherman tool. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead, my reply was, "Oh yeah, right. Sorry about that." I reached for the water bottle, saying, "I'll just chug it now." You would have thought I pulled an Uzi out of my butt at this point. He literally jumped backwards and told me, don't come any closer. (laughs) I laughed. I did. I couldn't help it. It was absurd. I looked at the LAPD officer and said, is he serious? The policeman looked at me as if I was very, as if he was very, very sorry and trying not to laugh himself. He walked a little bit closer towards us, but said nothing. Dude, it's water. I'll drink it right now. I can't let you do that. You have to throw it away. What? Why? I'm going to drink it. I'll drink the whole thing right now, right in front of you. Oh you can't do gosh. that. Why this not? It's so absurd. It's against the law. <laughs> against the law to drink water? What law? You can't drink in the security area of the airport. Now, this is where I got mad. There is no law that says I can't drink water in the security they area of the airport. They just make it up. They just <laughs> make it up on the spot. I looked at the cop and said, is there? The cop said, I have no jurisdiction where you are. You're not in L.A. property. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you here? (laughs) These bureaucrats are great. This This seems pretty silly to me, and it is. What the hell was he doing there if he wasn't allowed to do anything? Exactly. But whatever. He he was a cool cop, and I didn't have any beef with him. I looked back at the TSA guy (laughs) and said, show me the law. He he stared bolts of fire into my skull and Uh says, I don't have to show it to you. It's the law. Uh... Yes, I really did say, uh, there's no law, man, I said. (laughs) He said, and I swear, I'm not making any of this up. It's an SSI, and I'm not required to show it to you. I don't know what an SSI is. Secret Security Initiative. (laughs) I just made What is an SSI? Are you kidding? This is America. You can't enforce a law without showing it to me. I've never voted on any law about drinking water in the security area of the airport. There's no such law. I really wanted to ask him if SSI stood for Super Secret Information but I forgot. <laughs> I can't let you drink this water. Fine. Throw it away. I don't care. It's an unopened bottle of water that I'm willing to drink right in front of you. But whatever. I can't throw it away. You have to throw it away. What? <laughs> I picked up my bags and walked away. <laughs> For quite some time, I noticed that the person who assumed to be the top TSA guy was following me around Brookstone. I had a, <laughs> I had a tail. <laughs> and I had a Pretty good time making him think I was trying to lose him there for a little while. Then my girlfriend called and I forgot about him. He was gone. Good times. Wow. So, yeah, good times indeed. That, that's it's just that was a, fun. It was a great fun story about what happened to the TSA. And you know this this just goes to show how a pretty ordinary day can be turned good by a good writer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know somebody who's he had enough time to fool around with the TSA, <laughs> and he did. I love the part about the yellow markers. Yes. Well, they've checked me. See, I have a yellow line. From a highlighter on my boarding pass. Yeah. Next time you can bring the boarding pass with the yellow line already on it, and she'll think you were already there. Yes. Um, you just Next time you come through, just have your fake boarding pass mm-hmm. printed up off the Internet. Right. Put a yellow line across it. <laughs> and then say to the lady, oh, I'm sorry, you've already checked me. 
<laughs> I'll bet you they let you through. 1-800-259-9231. Not that it matters. You just get into the terminal where you have to have a ticket because the boarding agent wants to know you've paid for your flight. Yeah, exactly. These people just want to match a name to a piece of paper. So um, if you've got a TSA story, whether it's a hell story or a fun story, as that one was, uh, or he took the fun approach, I guess. He took a he took a very positive attitude about the, the TSA shakedown. And I got to say that, you know what, I think that uh, if you don't want to do it, Mark, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to go, the next time I go on an airplane, I'm going to claim to not have photo ID. And I'm going to fly without I'm definitely not going in as two guys claiming not to have photo ID. No. Ooh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? It, Two guys together with no photo ID? Yeah, I mean, if one guy's dangerous, two guys even more dangerous. (laughs) All right, so you bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Here's an abs- another absurd story. Lincoln, Nebraska, the Associated Press politics may not be in the blood, but it could be in the genes. That's the theory of a team of political scientists and geneticists trying to prove with extensive studies of twins, genes, and brain scans the idea that you might have been born the political uh, to the political belief system that you currently have, which I think is absolutely absurd. We'll get into the details coming up. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are totally free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some Free Talk Live stuff. And there's the music bed again. How about that? That rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so we ask that you buy some Free Talk Live stuff at the store. Store.freetalklive.com. There's Free Talk Live hats and t-shirts, uh, classic archives on DVD collector sets. All there. Store.freetalklive.com. Now this is just an absolutely absurd suggestion, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Because apparently the Associated Press thought it was worth uh, reporting on. According to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, one of the political science professors... He says, I perfectly understand that some people are skeptical, but he's trying to prove with extensive studies of tweens, uh, twins, genes, and brain scans that somehow your politics is in your genes. The idea goes back more than 2,000 Haven't years. Haven't we seen people um, change their politics here at Free Talk Live? I mean, yes, they, we they have. change their opinion. How can, how can it be in your genes then? Well, it's, it's a ridiculous claim. Yes, And it is. we're going to examine it here. Uh, we'll see what he has to say for himself, though maybe he'll make a persuasive case. Hmm. Anyway, John Alford We're so easily persuaded. The uh, associate professor of political science who's working with uh, the other guy, Hibbing, said uh, it goes back more than 2,000 years. In 350 B.C., Aristotle wrote, quote, Man is by nature a political animal, unquote. Well, so some guy wrote something a long time ago. That means it's true. That's absolutely right. Now, Alford said sci- scientists are trying to improve on that. Genetic researchers are trying to prove that social attitudes can be inherited and have discovered strong correlations between the two. So far, the political connection has relied on studies by Lyndon Eaves, professor of human genetics and psychiatry at the Virginia Commonwealth University. About 8,000 sets of identical and fraternal twins answered a series of questions on topics such as school prayer, nuclear power, women's liberation, and the death penalty. Identical twins who share their entire genetic code answered more similarly than fraternal twins, who are no more similar than non-twin siblings. If you assume that both identical and fraternal twins share an environment, then the disparity between the results must be genetic. But they don't share a sex, necessarily. Okay. That's true. Well, I mean, 
things are different growing up for boys and girls. Things yeah, just seems to me. Some scientists, however, are not ready to embrace the theory. Evan Charney, assistant professor at Duke University, says the very idea that something like a political ideology could be heritable is incoherent. It doesn't make any sense, and it's historically inaccurate. Any similarities found in twins' political beliefs can be attributed to environment and not genetics, Charney said. His paper, Genes and Ideologies, written to argue many of the uh, the other guy's claims, is being considered for publication by the Review of Politics. He recently presented the work to the American Political Science Association. Quote, I have not proved that environment has caused this, but neither have they proved that genes have caused this. And environment, he said, is a more fa- far more plausible explanation, and I happen to agree. Hibbing does agree that his research isn't definitive. Quote, no specific genes have been connected to political traits. That's our group's main goal. Who is funding you? Is it the government? Is the government giving these people money? <laughs> Somebody's paying for this uh, this study to go on. Yeah, it's not free. Social scientists just typically dismiss genetic influence, and that's a mistake, he said. The next step, he says, includes scans to observe the brain in action as subjects answer questions on political topics. That work is in progress at Baylor Medical Center next month. Members of the team will travel to Australia. Man, international travel included in the budget here, Mark. Sweet. Uh, with the we're going to Australia. We're going to surf the Great Barrier Reef. Well, they're going to investigate the pattern of disease in families, including twins, and his research could, imp- uh, could provide more important clues for the budding scientists. The goal is to persuade people to accept that political views aren't just random opinions thrown together by a combination of environmental influences. Why, is, why do you have this goal? Are you trying to suggest that people should just take their original political beliefs and stick with them? You are a Republican, and you're a Republican for life. You are a Democrat, and you will always be a Democrat because you were born that way. Perhaps we can engineer so that we can have a uh, world full of Republicans or a world full of Democrats. It's just absolutely ludicrous. The goal is to persuade people to accept that they aren't just random opinions. We can't just fall for the fairy tale that all people are uh, genetically identical, says Hibbing. Willful ignorance is unforgivable, he says. Do you think that there's even a chance that this uh, foolish man actually has it right? Do you think that there's a chance that politics can be determined by genetics? Doesn't seem likely to me. In which case, if it's true, if it's true that uh, uh, genetics determines politics, then most people are genetically inclined against politics, right? Most people don't have politics. Yeah, most people don't vote. Most people think politics, and rightly so, is a waste of their time. And I completely boring. understand. It's boring. It's uh, annoying. It's something that just bothers their lives. It doesn't enhance their lives. A lot of people are political because they feel like they have to be. That's the reason why I pay attention. Because I'm just concerned with the fact that there, is armed, there are armed people out there trying to take money from me. That's the reason why I'm involved. So most people most most people could give a flip about politics. Well, are, now, if it's true that most people are genetically predisposed towards politics, then it must also be true that most people are genetically predisposed towards uh, the type of music they like, or the uh, the type of movies they like to watch. I mean, this is just nuts. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one with your thoughts. Maybe there's a chance that some people are genetically predisposed to walk naked around their house. Mark, you've got a story about that. Don't could you? happen. Uh, like this gentleman. <laughs> Apparently, a uh, it's it's a very short article. Man arrested after appearing naked in his own home. Um, Maslin, Ohio. A man appeared naked in his own home, was arrested Monday, Maslin police said. 
the 43-year-old man was charged with two counts of public indecency. Sounds wrong. He's not being public. Officers arrested Charles, um, the uh, Charles Avenue Southeast resident when he was observed naked in an open window. Well, now that's the question. Is your window being open, does that all of a sudden make what you're doing public? How naked was he observed in the window? Was he just wandering around his house naked? That's just what was it he, sounds like. Was he uh, in a trench coat, uh, you know, doing the windmill? What, what was he doing? Hey, you would think if he was self-pleasuring, that would have been mentioned. Because they love to point out the perverts in the news. Yeah. So it sounds to me like he was just walking around naked. That's what it sounds like. Some busybody neighbor spotted him. Maybe a mom was walking by. She didn't want her daughter to see it. Oh, heavens no. Little Julie will never see a penis in her entire life. And here is this man standing in front of his window. <laughs> it's just, he's arrested. Public indecency for being in his own house. So you actually think that this is outrageous. You, who is against the snow penis. It depends on what he was doing in his window. Really? Yeah. So it's not indecent to be naked, but it's indecent to not do in your own home. Some sort of sexual act in the window? Uh, it would be very. It, it would be strange. You've got to be looking. You know, to be to be seeing someone in their window, you've got to be looking. That's not well. No, no, that's not necessarily true. For instance, there's a window here in the studio, mm-hmm. and if we were to open the the blinds on this window, they're shut at the moment. If we were to open the blinds, anybody who drove by would have their attention drawn to this particular room. Now, why is that? Because it's lit? Yeah, there's lights on, and it's dark outside. Now, it doesn't specify. Did it specify it happened in the middle of it the day? Not. No, it doesn't specify it's, much of anything in a this lot article. Of, a lot of windows these days are sort of uh, dark during the daytime. If it's, if it's brighter outside and darker inside, then nobody's attention is going to necessarily be brought to the room. But if it's brighter in the room than it is outside, everybody who passes by is going to be looking in there. So that's another important factor. Okay, well, there's there's the point. But and, I, I, I don't know. I think if I paid for the house, yeah. I should be able to walk around naked. With all it. the windows open. Well, I, I, you know. How would you feel if you had a, a little, you know, seven-year-old daughter? You were walking down the street and you saw that. Um, I... I would feel like it's that that guy's house, really. Right. Well, that's because you're not a prude. You know, see, somebody was walking by who's a prude sees a naked man or a naked woman, and they get upset, they get offended, they feel like their daughter or their son has been tainted. I'm uh, sure for the that rest of their seeing lives. this 43 year old man naked was offensive, but it's his house, <laughs> right. you know. And I do lots of offensive things in my house. I don't do them in front of a window, but well, as somebody who's had the, his share of experience walking around a house naked. <laughs> Uh, but you keep all your windows closed all the time. Right, because I realize that, uh, not because I'm concerned with what other people are going to think, I'm not at all. I just don't want to bother anybody. And I realize there's prudish people in, the, in, in America that will be offended by those sorts of things. So I'm concerned for those individuals in there, and I don't want to get in a, a clash and a conflict with these people. It's not too difficult to, uh, to close the blinds. You know, I, I although I don't support his arrest, I I disagree with that. I don't think he should have been arrested. Let's talk to Steve in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Steve. Yeah, uh, what's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, this guy who says political ideologies are like genetically disposed. <laughs> yeah, isn't it silly? <laughs> there it is. Because my mom was a hardcore liberal. I remember back in the early and late '80s, and I was a complete anarchist. Now, what was your dad? He was a liberal, too. Hmm. I remember I was like about eight years old back in 84, and he asked me who to vote for, and he said Mondale. I was like, no, vote for Reagan. 
you're an anarchist and you voted for Reagan? Well, he didn't vote for anything. He was kidding. I'm not an anarchist anymore. I'm uh, more of a minarchist. Thanks, Steve. We're coming back with more. Hour three's on the way. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 3, Friday edition of the show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away. It's freetalklive.com. So enjoy it. It's free. All right. We're jumping into the emails here, Mark, because you know what? I've got a lot of them, and I need to catch up on them. In fact, I'm so backed up on emails, I haven't even read some of them for two weeks. Wow. Like, they've just been stacking up. You do get a lot of stuff in, in that FTL at freetalklive.com yeah. well, email. Got, I've got two email boxes. There's the show email box, the FTL box, and then there's the Ian email box as well. So I got my hands full. Anyway, Joe, uh, I think it's Joe, J-O-H-N-N-A. Sounds like Johanna, but there's not an extra A in there. So Jonah, I guess. Anyway, I started listening to the show close to two months ago. Since then, I've started to have some internal conflicts. You see, I work for the government. I wouldn't consider myself a bureaucrat in that I do come to work every day and actually work. I don't hassle the public or treat them poorly. And maybe that comes from me working in private businesses before working where I do now. I never realized how big of a bureaucracy I was working in until I noticed that documents go through three people's hands before they get to mine. Then they go through at least two more processes before a check is actually written. I work in fund accounting for a county in California. Yes, it's sad, but true. And by the way, uh, the, the, my suspected reason why she's so cheer, cheerful as a bureaucrat is because uh, she's partially right, because she has worked in, private, um, in a private place before. She's worked in a private business before this. That's good. That helps you understand customer service and incentive and all that. But also, I think the newer you are in bureaucracy, the more friendly you are. For instance, you can uh, around here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we where we live at, the few interactions I've had with bureaucrats have been fairly pleasant. I think there's two factors there. I think one that many of the the people we've interacted with have been young ladies, so they're new to the workforce in general. They aren't jaded by the bureaucratic system as much yet. The longer you remain a bureaucrat, the more worthless you become, essentially. I think that's a factor, and also the small the fact that it's a smaller government then the place where we come from, I think, is also a factor as well. I think uh, the more bureaucratic bureaucrats tend to rise to the top to some extent, too. Yeah, sure. If you really know how to work the old system, you'll be at the top, not the bottom. Recently, I was asked to leave a mandatory employee meeting when I pointed out to the county administrative officer that he had some fallacies in his plan. He wants to make the county less bureaucratic while still crossing T's and dotting I's. I'm sorry, but there's nothing you can do in county government that's not bureaucratic by nature. Government is a bureaucracy by definition, she says, and I asked if he meant that the Board of Supervisors was going to step down, and so uh, and so was he, <laughs> so the county could be run privately. Well, he didn't like that suggestion very much. I bet he didn't. You see, I fall into what he describes as a 5%er. He says 5% of the people cause 95% of the problem. He also says that you're either with him or against him, oh, and if God. you're against him, then you won't be with the organization much longer. So this is typical, by the way, being targeted for pointing out inefficiency in the bureaucracy. They don't sure like is. that sort of thing. Just read a story about a guy in Iraq uh, today uh, who got fired because 
he was pointing out inconsistencies and that kind of thing. Yep. So. And we had the story last night about somebody who wasn't even a member of the government, somebody who pointed out how inefficient the security system is in the airports, and he had his house raided. His house was trashed. Because the government doesn't like being shown, or doesn't like having how um, inefficient and stupid it is pointed out. Anyway, he says, uh, or she says rather, so I guess since I show up to work on time and do my job, sometimes skip breaks, answer the phone quickly and courteously, answer questions and go above and beyond the bare minimum drool wiping most employees do, I'm a problem. When I pointed out all of the money he was wasting on this training session, bare minimum $1 million, not to mention the work that isn't getting done while employees are at these meetings, and the fact that we have customer service training in each department already and we're told how to treat the public during orientation, he asked me to leave. Anyway, that whole wow. thing leads me to my real reason for writing this email. I can't leave the country because I need the health care for my mother, or the count I can't leave the county, rather, because I need the health care for my mother. Because mm. one of the reasons why yeah. a lot of people get government jobs is because of the benefits. Yeah, the, the government intends to make – it does a very good job of indentured servitude. They don't pay particularly well for the low-end employees, mm -hmm. but they really give great benefits, really, really great benefits. And it's difficult to leave for that very reason. She says, my mother has some serious health problems and is unable to work. Working for the county, I'm able to provide her with health insurance so she can have surgeries to try to give, uh, to try to give her some sort of life. You see, she has tumors growing in her spinal cord as well as multiple sclerosis. The combination makes it unable for it makes her unable to sit up for more than two hours at a time. Here's that's my tough to work. Yeah, that's rough. Here's my major question: For people who are handicapped, be it mentally or physically, how are they supposed to get care if there's a total free market? They may be completely unable to work, be it due to mental retardation or by physical limitations. How would that work? They wouldn't be able to pay for care outright. And family members might not be able to afford the health care coverage for them either. Do you well, have any ideas? In 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 her case, um, a family member is able to, to help out because that family member has a job. I think that many um, companies, when, if they weren't being taxed to death, would have an opportunity to pay the employees more. Mm -hmm. I mean, money is going out the door to the government. It could go out the door to employees. I don't see why it would necessarily go in the pocket of an employer because they have to make their business more competitive. So I would think wages would go up if taxes went down. Also, isn't there insurance out there that you can buy for lost um, wages, essentially? Like if you come down with some sort of calamitous disease? Well, there's, that, there's insurance you can buy for anything. Right. So wouldn't insurance be a you know, possible solution here to where uh, people are encouraged uh, to sign up for this insurance policy to where if you, uh, you, know, you pay in for this to this policy, you're going to get rewarded if you come down with some sort of multiple sclerosis or spinal cord problem or whatever the de de debilitating uh, disorder is that you develop. That would pay for, pay for the bills. It wouldn't necessarily be health insurance per se as, would, as much as it would be just, you know, chronically debilitating disease insurance or something like that. That's one solution. But for those who don't buy the insurance, what about them? What about the people that, you know, didn't think to buy the insurance or just made the wrong choice? Mm -hmm. How do we help those people out? There'll be charities. Well, there are well, charities. Well, what about the, how do you, how can you be sure that people with uh, multiple sclerosis won't be crawling through the streets? Well, this is the most um, charitable country in on earth. I mean, it just doesn't seem it doesn't make sense to me that we wouldn't, with more money in our pockets, um, contribute to people that are less fortunate than ourselves. I mean, you can look at the the what, that typhoon thing they had over there in mm -hmm. uh, Southeast Asia. Man, we sent all kinds of money over there. To people that we didn't even know. 
Hurricane Katrina sent millions down there. It was hundreds of millions to uh, to Thailand mm-hmm. was what we sent to people that we would never see in our entire lives. I mean, we're so charitable. If we give, if we are given more, if we are allowed to keep every dollar we earn, I know that if I was, you know, if I had a job and I had a, tw- you know, 25% taken out of my paycheck every week by the government, I would be more likely to give more money to charity if I actually was able to keep 100% of my paycheck. And I think that a lot of people feel that way. And in fact, even if you believe that um, that people won't do that, which is ludicrous. There's also businesses like Walmart. I mean, there's evidence that people act this way, that act charitably. Businesses, for-profit, greedy corporations like Walmart were busily helping people during Katrina, or they were trying to. They sent entire trucks full of ice and water to New Orleans only to have them turned away by the government. But why would they send, Why would they spend so much money on you know, sending water to people. Well, maybe it's because they want to be seen as though they care about people. So those individuals that they helped and the individuals that saw the fact that Walmart was helping thought to themselves, hmm, yeah, Walmart's not so bad after all. Maybe I'll shop there. And therefore they did it because they have an incentive to profit. Same thing here. For instance, if uh, your, your grandmother didn't have health insurance and she came down with multiple sclerosis mother, and the spinal cord, or your mother came down with this uh, debilitating disease, Maybe Walmart would step up and say, hey, you know, this you should have had insurance, but since you didn't, we're going to jump in here and we're going to take care of your mom for you. Because we can. Because we've made enough profit, thank goodness. Thankfully, people make profits at business to where they can do charitable things like this. And if you don't, and the final point is, if you don't believe that people are charitable, why do you believe that government will work? I mean, why is it that... If people aren't charitable, why is it that you think that people in the positions of power are going to be the charitable ones? How is it that those who are seeking positions of control over others, over control over finances, are more charitable than anyone else? Wouldn't it make sense that if people aren't charitable, that the most greedy, corrupt ones would be uh, seeking those offices? The whole thing about government charity is a contradiction. 800-259-9231. I hope I'm making sense. More is on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number. You bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates, and you'll know whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. That's updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up. Updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Liberty Forum, the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, which you can register now for. It's happening February 23rd to 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there, and us too. Freestateproject.org forward slash Liberty Forum to get registered and learn more. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go to the phones to the fun, Liam in Sweden. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Liam. Liam in Sweden. Calling Sweden. Liam going once. Liam in Sweden going twice. Alrighty then. Well, now, here's a story that uh, I never thought I'd see, Mark. And, in fact, I'm questioning its authenticity. A soldier who killed the father of a lifelong friend in a frenzied attack after suffering a psychotic reaction to homegrown cannabis Hmm. has been jailed for 10 years in Great Britain, according to The Telegraph. Paratrooper Lori Draper, it's got a stink to be a man named Lori, Bludgeoned thir- uh, 53-year-old school teacher Paul Butterworth with a pair of garden shears 
after how do you bludgeon someone with a garden shears? Doesn't bludgeoning mean to hit over the head essentially? I guess and maybe you could hold it on the bladed end and hit them with the uh, the double handles. If you've got garden shears, shouldn't you be stabbing someone? Look, uh, not that I know anything about you know killing people, but anyway, allegedly killed the guy after smoking pot at the man's home. He was at Butterworth's home when he smoked the weed, and then killed him allegedly. Now, Very strange. the paratrooper... It Draper, could have been laced with anything. That's what I was thinking. Draper was jailed at St. Albans Crown Court today after admitting manslaughter on the grounds that his mental state had been affected by Mr. Butterworth's homegrown high-strength drug. So it was actually the victim's weed who he smoked, mm. that he smoked. The court heard that the Iraq War veteran, originally from uh, Leicester, but based in uh, wherever, was suffering from a cannabis-induced psychotic mental state. When he smashed the three-foot loppers into Mr. Butterworth's head and body, jailing Draper, a lance corporal with more than eight years' exemplary service, the judge told him, "Your conduct became at first strange, then alarming, then delusional. Resisting attempts to calm you down, you attacked Paul Butterworth." Draper, the judge added, also tried to attack Butterworth's son Ashley. Boy, just a whole story full of people with uh, the wrong type of name. Yep. When well, he tried to what drag. Are you when he, uh, when he dr- uh, tried to drag his now-dead va- uh, father's body away from the vicious onslaught, Ashley was forced to flee to save his own life. The judge added, he did what he could to protect his father. No one could have expected him to do more. Some of the blows landed on him, and fearing for his life, he desisted, leaving you to beat the brains out of his unfortunate father and eventually to drag his body, mutilated and barely recognizable, to the living room sofa. This was an appalling attack of extreme and persistent violence, and I have no doubt that it would not have happened had you not consumed cannabis. <laughs> Anyone who unlawfully takes dangerous mind alt- a dangerous, mind-altering controlled drug and who then finds that his mind is altered in unexpected and undesired ways must take responsibility for his subsequent actions. That I agree with. I don't think that you should be able to say, oh, I was drunk. You know, I only hit you because I was drunk, Mark. I don't think that's an excuse for violent behavior. I don't think being in the under the influence of anything is an excuse. So I agree with that part. But the part I find really questionable is that this man was violent while on cannabis. Very strange. I suppose it's possible. I mean, I suppose it's possible that he is just a really, really violent guy in the first place, and for some reason he just snapped. But we've never heard a story like this in the past. Never. Now, it's possible also, as you said, Mark, that this uh, joint that they smoked, or whatever it is that they smoked, was also laced with PCP. Now, in the case of it was laced with PCP or something like that, then it sounds like a very realistic possibility that he could have snapped. Yeah, that could have happened. Mr. Butterworth, who would have celebrated his 54th birthday that week, was described in court as a laid-back man who loved animals and children and who smoked his homegrown cannabis to relax. Well, it's clear that uh, Mr. Butterworth didn't have any uh, psychotic episodes as a result of this, this pot. In a statement read to court, in the court to Ashley Butterworth telling his two children about their grandfather's death was, quote, the hardest thing he ever had to do. What do you think about this? Is this true? Is this for real? Have you ever, in ever, ever encountered a pot smoker who was violent after the fact of smoking weed? It, I suppose it's possible. I just have never heard of such a thing. You know, it, it could be a case of one in a billion or something like that, but it would have to be. That would be the only option, because yeah. I've certainly never heard a story like this before. Um, I've, I've never heard anyone tell of a story um, like smoking weed and 
getting violent. I, it just it's some some strange to me. No, normally when people smoke weed, they want to sit back and chill out. They don't want to go out and do you know. I some mean, people get paranoid and want to go home or you know yeah. uh, go sit someplace quietly or something like that. But it's not dangerous. No, I've never seen anybody do anything remotely violent after smoking marijuana. I see plenty. I've seen plenty of uh, violent behavior when alcohol was involved. Oh yeah. And maybe 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 they were crossing alcohol with marijuana. Maybe there's some other factors here that we weren't aware of. Never seen that either. Yeah, me neither. So if you have, I would love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. But this is just yet another. This is going to be another excuse for the drug banners to say, "Look, we told you this drug was bad. We found one. We found one. Finally, one case. If it weren't for marijuana, this man would still be alive today." (laughs) course that ignores the hundreds of thousands of individuals who have been jailed for smoking marijuana that's for possessing year. marijuana that's right that's this year it's been probably uh, 20 million over the past couple decades it ignores all of those tragedies those people they're lost uh they're lost time they're lost jobs in many cases if you get arrested for marijuana there's a good chance you're going to lose your job well if if the fact that it makes someone violent is the reason that we're keeping it illegal, then why do we have alcohol legal? I mean, that's not the reason. Great point. It's not the reason. And actually, Bordoff's making a great point as well, because he is a soldier, meaning that he has years of indoctrination on right. how to kill people. So that could be a factor as well. Mind though bent. Though there's plenty of soldiers that smoke marijuana also, and these things don't happen. Yeah. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Matthew emails in. He says the other night you said something to the effect of animals have no responsibility to each other and therefore cannot possibly have rights. I'm just wondering if responsibility is a prerequisite for having rights. I know you're unsettled on the notion of rights to begin with, but I'm curious as to why a lack of responsibility would negate any rights. He says, uh, and it's an interesting, very detailed issue. For instance. Does a retard have responsibility? Well, um, not much. I mean, no, they, not really. Well, you know, if they go around touching the wrong parts of the wrong people, mm-hmm. they're going to get in trouble. Right. And that trouble may um, include institutionalization, even if it doesn't include jail. But they don't really understand the responsibility factor. Uh, I think they do understand it to some extent. I mean, depends on how retarded they are. You, you would have to be pretty darn um, retarded not to understand. Um, I mean, they you, they they manage babies, to figure it out. Do babies have responsibility? Not really. But do babies have rights? Uh, yeah, I would say some. So therefore, you can have rights without responsibility. In which case, how do the babies get the rights without having a responsibility? If indeed responsibility is a prerequisite for rights, hmm. we'll explore all of this coming up here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind. That's the point of the show. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and participate in the Free Talk Live poll. 
Go to poll.freetalklive.com to tell us how old you are, because we don't know unless you tell us how old you are. And currently, the poll is skewing to about where we expected it to, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, it's. Um, Johnson made a good point uh, that the that the show we've always thought that the show sort of skews male eighteen thirty four. Yeah. And the poll's definitely skewing male eighteen thirty four. Sure is. But Johnson made a great point that BBS's bulletin boards. Like ours, forums. Have a, yeah, yeah, forums have a tendency to skew male eighteen forty four, and um, oh, one other uh, that libertarians are that let's see, they well, were talk saying, radio they, skews male yeah, in the talk first radio, place. Talk radio, um, you know, talk radio does, libertarians do, and then uh, um, the forum does. So you know, all those things kind of weed out everybody else who might respond to the poll. Though we are pushing it on the air so everyone who's listening is aware of poll.freetalklive.com and signing up for the bulletin board system is not a you know a difficult process it's not so we are driving everyone to the poll everyone who's interested in participating that is right and you have to sign in because we can't have uh, just somebody going in some uh, random schmo. guest after yeah. guest and like the same person could just keep on um, coming in as a guest and, and clicking on the same poll and mess they up our still numbers. could if they wanted to but it would take longer yeah yeah so, anyway, head on over there, poll.freetalklive.com. We're trying to find out what our demographics are. We sort of know, but we just wanted to be sure. Uh, and also, you can vote for the show as well. You tell, we'll tell you more about that coming up here. 800-259-9231, in the midst of an email, actually, about rights. And as the emailer points out, I'm not so sure that there is such a thing as rights. I like the concept. You. Yeah. Yeah, not the emailer. Right. The email's pointing out that I think that right. way. And even though he's asking, because I've suggested that if there is such a thing as rights, that responsibility is also uh, required in order to have rights. And so, therefore, he's asking, well, if if that's the case, you know, um, would a lack of responsibility negate rights in the case of, for instance, an infant or a retarded person? Because they don't have responsibility, certainly not the same level of responsibility as the rest of us, do they have the same rights? Excellent questions all. It is an excellent question, and presuming that there are rights, and again, I'm not sure if there are, presuming there are rights, then I think that essentially what happens is we we grant those rights to those who uh, can't claim them for themselves. So, for instance, when it comes to a uh, a baby, we know that eventually they're going to grow up into a full-thinking adult person who can then claim the rights for themselves, but in the meantime, we sort of stake that claim for them. The same thing with a retarded individual. We're sort of staking sure that, that claim to help protect them as a human being. A, a, a retarded person doesn't enjoy all the same rights, certainly not the – that's called a privilege um, by the government, but I would think to some extent talking about it's a right to be able to drive. I mean, that's once not, you – Well, no. No, it's not a right to drive. It's a privilege to drive. That's why they have driver's licenses. It would be a right to drive on your own property. It would. Um but I understand um, what you're saying. So I mean, they're not afforded that. Do you do you like the idea of uh, retarded people, really, really retarded people, having the right to bear arms? Mm, no more than I like the idea of a uh, infant the right to bear arms. I don't like that either. So now we're arguing for the fact that there are no rights, I or at least know. there's, or at least it's in, <laughs> rights and, are confusing. At least it's undefinable as far as the parameters of these things. So, the, but the reason he brings it up is because of the animals issue. Right. Because people are concerned as to whether or not animals have rights. He goes on to say a counterexample. I believe in rights, and I believe that uh, p- that people have some rights. I even believe that severely retarded people have the same rights, regardless of their lack of capacity for responsibility. Same goes for an infant. I'm unsure of what, if any, I believe an animal might have. 
But I guess I see the same logic applying to non-humans as well. I really think that, again, if there is such a thing as rights, and I believe that... Uh, I believe that we somehow apply it to these people that can't claim it for themselves, and I guess, therefore, you could claim that you could apply it to animals as well, but I think only animals within your purview. You know, for instance, that's, that's, that's the, uh, it's more property than it is rights than anything else. Like, this is my baby, this is my retarded child, this is my dog. You don't have the right to take them from me because they're my property. Well, I think it's more based on property than anything else. Rights are... Um are uh, agreements. Um, they're, they're things that people agree on. I agree that you have rights so that you agree that I have rights, so that we agree that everyone has rights, and most people, so everyone agrees that we have rights. Most reasonable people would agree that we have rights, but not violent, you know, fascistic, sadistic people. Those people wouldn't necessarily agree. Well, they agree they because would agree. They, they have agree the right to take your life. They agree because they know that um, they, they aren't going to have rights otherwise. They just choose to violate your rights. Like, I can say you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and then mm-hmm. I can punch you in the mouth. Right. Like, that's not in any – it's not uh, – you know, I mean, it's just uh, – it's incongruous, but I'm, I'm just agreeing to – I'm agreeing you have rights, and then I'm choosing to ignore that. Um, I see. So most people will – even even the people with, uh, you know, uh, helmets and uh, machine guns will say, well, you've got rights. You have the right to free speech. Now shut up. Um, you know, I mean, that's essentially the way they do it. Or they could say, I have the right to see your papers. Right. And, and they can just create whatever rights for themselves they want to. They, they do see this, and they do do that. Now, Which whereas, is the problem with rights is getting wait, everyone second, to agree. Second. I want to I get on to the po- animal's point. Okay. Now, animals don't have that agreement with us, nor do they have the, that agreement with each other. They live in a state of nature. Mm. Um, the state of nature is, I'm going to go out and find things to eat. Yes. Some, some animals <laughs> um, find things to eat by things that move, and some f- animals find things that eat by things that grow. Or in a bowl in the kitchen. Well, yes. Right. But that's not really the state of nature. That's just uh, they've been taken out of of this state of nature, but they don't understand much beyond the state of nature. They're still finding something to eat. If I was small enough, Senior Grouchy Pants would eat me. Yes. I mean, (laughs) the only reason he doesn't is because... You know the hundred. If you no, if you other, were dead, he would be tearing at your entrails. If, if 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 we were yeah, if I was dead long enough and he didn't get any have yeah. any dry crunchy cat food, he probably would. Yeah, he'd be eating your eyeballs. You know, and I mean the only thing that keeps me alive is that I'm a hundred and eighty pound hairless monkey. Right. You know, and I mean and and I keep his food bowl. If uh, you were a baby, he'd sleep on your face. <laughs> I mean, just. That's a myth, <laughs> urban legend. I don't think that I think a baby could get a cat off of its face. Well, it's just an urban legend that cats will fall asleep on babies' faces to kill them. I see. Anyway. Well, the the cat, you know, I'm not so sure about that because I try to move him on the covers and 22 pounds this cat is. But you're right. The animals haven't agreed like with us. They, the animals yeah. haven't agreed. They haven't set out. You know, there hasn't been a, uh, a meeting between the minds here as far as what rights they should have compared to us. I mean, we, we, we can grant them protections if we own them. If they are our property, we can give them whatever sort of level of protection we want to. And conversely, you can also kill them if you want to, if they're your property. And that's what bugs the people that believe that animals have rights. They don't. And let's go on and and actually, because one of our emailers wants to address this. And he said, uh, with all your recent talks on animal rights, I thought I'd send you an article that I came across about a year ago and help me understand better the philosophical roots of the animal rights movement. Animal Rights versus Human Rights by Edwin Locke, Ph.D. Rights can only be held by beings who are capable of reasoning and choosing. Human life versus animal life. 
This fundamental conflict of values was dramatized on June 23rd in Washington, D.C., when animal rights march, uh, when an animal rights march was opposed by AIDS victims marching in support of research on animals. Hmm. It is an indisputable fact that many thousands of lives are saved by medical research on animals. But animal rightists don't care. PETA, for instance, makes this frighteningly clear. Quote, even if animal tests produced a cure for AIDS, we'd still be against it. Shut, uh, such as the humanitarianism, so-called, of animal rights activists. How do these advocates try to justify their position? As someone who's debated them for years on college campuses and in the media, I know firsthand that the whole movement is based on a single, invalid syllogism. Namely, men feel pain and have rights. Animals feel pain, therefore, animals have rights. This argument is entirely specious, because man's rights do not depend on his ability to feel pain. They depend on his ability to think. For instance, if you had your pain receptors disconnected, would that all of a sudden negate your rights? Silly. We're going to come back with more. He's got some really great points, I think, on the way here. 800-259-9231. Somebody who's actually done the research and who's debated these fools for the longest time will get his thoughts here on whether or not animals actually do or do not have rights. 800-259-9231 with your thoughts as well. Do they or don't they? What do you think? It's Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. We want you to amp the show at amp.freetalklive.com. It's voluntary, of course. We give away all of the features on our website for free, so the AMP program is over and above all of that. It's for those of you that want to help support Free Talk Live, help us get on more radio stations around the country, help get new listeners encountering the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's important to you, head over to amp.freetalklive.com and AMP the show. It's three bucks a month, and it's up to you. Also, a much less expensive way, not that AMP is very expensive, but even a, an, a, an even cheaper way to support the show is to vote for us. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. Another great way to help people experience the message of freedom and liberty is to go to vote.freetalklive.com. Cast your vote for the show. It helps keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world. I believe we're currently ranked at number two. And we could be at number one with your vote. Vote.freetalklive.com. As we continue with Edwin Locke, Ph.D. from the Ayn Rand Institute, his opinion on animal rights versus human rights. As he points out, rights can only be held by beings who are capable of reasoning and choosing. And he's talking about people like uh, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, and their position on uh, so-called animal rights. He says rights are ethical principles applicable only to beings capable of reason and choice. There's only one fundamental right, a man's right to his own life. To live successfully, man must use his rational faculty, which is exercised by choice. The choice to think can be negated only by the use of physical force. To survive and prosper, men must be free from the initiation of force by other men. Which, of course, is what we are looking for here on Free Talk Live. It's the basis of all libertarian theory, the idea that it's wrong to use force on others for political or social goals. The only time force is appropriate is, of course, in self-defense. Anyway, the choice to think can be negated only by the use of physical force. Um, to survive and prosper, men must be free for the initiation, initiation of force by other men, free to use their own minds to guide their choices and actions. Rights protect men against the use of force by other men. None of this is relevant to animals. Animals do not survive by rational thought, nor by sign languages allegedly taught to them by psychologists. They survive through inborn reflexes and sensory perceptual association. 
They cannot reason. They cannot learn a code of ethics. A lion is not immoral for eating a zebra or even for attacking a man. Predation is their natural and only means of survival, and they do not have the capacity to learn any other. Only man has the power to deal with other members of his own species by voluntary means, rational persuasion and a code of morality rather than physical force. To claim that man's use of animals is immoral is to claim that we have no right to our own lives and that we must sacrifice our welfare for the sake of creatures who cannot think or grasp the concept of morality. Now, I think it's a little insulting to suggest that animals can't think. I think they absolutely can. In fact, I've seen examples of that happening. Nonetheless, he goes on. It's to elevate amoral animals to a moral level higher than ourselves. I think it's certainly cap- I think it's certainly true that they don't have morals. They can't even con- conceptualize no, what those they are. Do. A flagrant contradiction, he says. Of course, it's proper not to cause animals gratuitous suffering, but this is not the same as inventing a bill of rights for them at our expense. And, of course, he's suggesting that if we were to give these animals all of these rights, the human race wouldn't be able to advance. The granting of fictional rights to animals is not an innocent error. We do not have to speculate about the motive, because the animal rights advocates have revealed it quite openly. Again, a quote from PETA. Mankind is the biggest blight on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that a human has a right to life. I would rather have medical experiments done on our children than on animals. Unquote. Good Lord. These self-styled lovers of life do not love animals. Rather, they hate men. Animal Animal rights terrorists are like the Unabomber and Oklahoma City bombers. They're not idealists seeking justice, but nihilists seeking destruction for the sake of destruction. They don't want to uplift mankind to help him progress from the swamp to the stars. They want mankind's destruction. They want him not just to stay in the swamp, but to disappear into its muck. There's only one proper answer to such people, to declare proudly and defiantly in the name of morality a man's right to his life, his liberty, and the pursuit of his own happiness. Your thoughts, Mark? It makes sense. I, 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 it's, you know, it's an issue that it, it always gives me pause. Do animals have rights? And um, I can't figure out why they don't, but I don't believe they do. Well, he just pointed out, because they don't have the capacity to, uh, to reason. Well, that's what he says. And to choose. Although, I've certainly seen animals choose. I think they can choose, and I think they can think. But nonetheless... Um, to suggest that we should stop progress in the name of animals yeah, is absolutely ludicrous. Let's talk to Johnson in Florida. You're on. Oh, wait a minute, Johnson. You're gonna have to hold on. Jan in Alabama is on the line. Jan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Cause ladies come first. Jan in Alabama. She J- just hung up. Oh man, she's on for all of two minutes. Let's go to Johnson in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark on the amplifier line. Hi, <laughs> Jan. You stink. <laughs> all right. Ah. <laughs> uh, didn't want to be put on hold. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk uh, about that the this uh, argument that rights come from uh, being able to think, being able to reason, being able to choose. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that rights are granted to species of sentient, you know, that that includes sentient beings. Now, I think that. If, if, for example, if we were to suddenly discover that another uh, species of animal on the planet were, was to suddenly have a an evolutionary leap forward and become sentient and be able to communicate and speak 
uh, with, you know, uh, human beings on a rational level and, and demonstrated self-awareness mm-hmm. on a level, you know, that's, you know, reasonably one could say this is definitely a self-aware species now, we would grant them rights. You know, they would be granted, you know, they would be afforded those rights. Now, wait, 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 how people, can we grant them rights? Who well, are we? Yeah, actually, I wanted, I wanted to answer, I wanted to, to clarify that a little bit. Uh, rights... Now, I know you said earlier that you were talking about rights being an agreement, mm-hmm. rights being a, I guess, sort of an individual contract between those that supposedly have them. I don't even know where you were going with that because I don't think that that's true or accurate at all. Of um, course you I, don't. I have the general feeling that rights are – the two definitions when you look it up, they're either legal rights or moral rights. Now, a lot of people, obviously, the framers of the Constitution uh, and the, the you know, and the Declaration of Independence said that you know rights are inalienable. In other words, that they are granted by a higher power, that they are granted by God. Okay. You know, and a lot of people believe that it's it, you know you, when you think about the word right in and of itself, it almost sounds like righteous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In other words, what sorts of things are you within your rights to do? What sorts of things can you do? while remaining righteous in your actions. Now, I think while rights can, do, you know, I do, I do actually believe that rights come from morality. And I don't think that morality comes from God. But I do think that rights are something that, you know, whatever your, whatever your moral philosophy is, whether or not you, you know, it comes from something divine or you're somebody like me who okay. believes in, you know, Kantian morality, you know, or the, the you know that sort of principle right. that rights are things that you are with you know that you can have universally with and remain moral while doing so. What do you think about that, uh, the author's suggestion that there's only one right and that's the right to life? I disagree. How many rights do you think there are? I believe that the rights are you know I, I believe in every single one of the rights that's laid out in the Bill of Rights. Well, now the right to lie. I mean, wouldn't I mean? Couldn't you argue that the right to free speech and the right to bear arms, those are all rights uh, as as juxtaposed against what governments have traditionally done? I mean, in the in the right to life, you in your life can speak, you can bear arms. These are all things that you can do under the right to life. I mean, is there anything as, that is tantamount to the right to life? Are there any other rights that are you know that are in the Constitution that are tantamount there, or are they all just sort of uh, they are they all derived from that right? Are they all sub rights of the right to life? I suppose that you know. I, obviously, if you're not living, you can't. There's nothing else you can do. I mean, there's and, and actually, maybe even that's debatable. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could still hold property as a dead person because that property then goes on to your family. But really, uh, I you know I don't think that that's necessarily a valid argument because it's so you know it's so. It's very simple. It's so very basic. Like, oh, well, if you're dead, you can't have any other rights. Well, okay, fine. Granted, I accept that. Um, but I don't think that other rights are derived from the fact that the mere fact that you're living. You know, I think that it's more important well, to no, say no, that. No, no, it's not the, the, the mere fact that you are living. It's, um, it's more that you have the right to live. Well, and I, because and I think it, that he's arguing that the animals just, don't. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's broader than simply just biologically being. Uh, you know, 
a functioning being. It's I a hell of a confusing like issue. You have the right to actually live your life. It's a confusing you know? issue, and one thing's for sure, you're never going to get everybody to agree on what those rights are. Johnson, thanks for the call, man. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online between now and the next show, which is tomorrow night, the live Saturday edition. Join us for that online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. You have the right to listen absolutely free. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.